This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Your hosts for this podcast are Robbie Lashua and Tyler Hurley. Robbie is pastor of apologetics at Desert Springs Community Church, as well as professor of apologetics, worldview, and ethics at Mission Bible Institute. He is a graduate of Phoenix Seminary, as well as a graduate of the Master's in Christian Apologetics program at Biola University. Tyler is currently earning his undergraduate degree in theology at Grand Canyon University and currently serves as an apologetics intern at Desert Springs Community Church. Hey, thank you for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. It's, uh, I'm Tyler, and we have Robbie Lashley here. Hello. Good to be back. Yeah, it's uh, great to be back with you, Robbie. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about uh, something that's really cool and that's seasonal leading up to Christmas. Uh, we just thought that it'd be really important uh, to kind of reflect and meditate on the idea of uh, what Christmas is about leading Mm -hmm. up to Christ. And uh, so we're going to start a new series leading up to Christmas, uh, where each week from now on until uh, until Christmas, we're going to be coming out with an episode leading up to how we should be thinking about the birth of Christ and just exactly what what Christmas is all about. And so that's what we're here going to be talking about today. Today, we're specifically focusing on uh, Old Testament prophecy about Mm -hmm. Jesus's birth and was he actually born in Bethlehem, and how does this all work out? Yep, so, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so it's exciting. So, And then Robbie has a coffee tip to start us off we with. We do. Man, we have yeah. given away a ton of mugs so far uh, for yeah. Christ Culture and Coffee. And what we do, if you're new to the podcast, what we do is um, if you send us in a coffee tip, then we use it on the air, we will send you a coffee mug with our logo on it. So pretty good deal. Yes. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of effort, um, but you got to make sure it's a coffee tip we haven't shared before on a previous podcast. So if you're new to the podcast, you might have to go blitz listen to all 30-some episodes yeah. and figure out what's already been said and what hasn't. Well, it's always in the first five minutes or so. It so is, yeah. We that. always do it at the beginning. So, um, But you can check us out and um, send us a coffee tip. We'd love to hear from you. Um, man, we've sent coffee mugs all around the country so far. Yeah. Not internationally yet, but Not yet. We've, we've had, I was looking uh, this morning, we've had um, about 50 different countries listening to the podcast. And so if you're out there and you're one of our listeners in Canada or New Zealand or in um, uh, Japan or yeah. wherever, uh, if you, the Netherlands actually has listened a lot. That's cool. <laughs> if you're out there and you want one of these coffee mugs, we'll ship it internationally, but you got to send us a coffee tip that we use on the air. But today's coffee yeah, tip uh, comes from Roberto, and he sent me, man, a really nice note. I want to read you his email. He said, I've been listening to your podcast and enjoying it since the beginning. Um I I do listen to other podcasts as I work as a mailman, but with you and Tyler, I feel like I'm involved in the conversation. That's cool. That is cool. Thanks, Roberto. Uh, He says, also, as a daily coffee drinker, I wanted to share with you my coffee tip. So here it is. I don't like putting cold creamer into hot coffee. So in my case, I like using vanilla soy milk. I'll heat up the creamer in the microwave first, which also heats up the mug for longer-lasting hot coffee. Nice. And that's an interesting idea. I'm all, I, I always put cold creamer in my coffee. Yeah. Well, me, but yeah, heating yeah. it up, man, exactly. it keeps the coffee hot for longer. Yeah, me too. I've always still never even concerned about it because I thought, you know, sometimes when the coffee comes out, it's a little too hot because yeah. I, I pour some cold creamer and it cools it off just a little bit. But if you, if you, 
the idea of heating up your creamer, that's that's really interesting because I didn't think about it, but it would probably keep your coffee hot longer if you just plan on sipping it throughout the day. Yep. And the truth of it is if my coffee gets cold, I just like gulp it down really fast. And it'd, do it would do me well to savor it a little more and take my time. Yeah. Either that or you stick it in the microwave and then you forget it's there. Yeah. That, oh, I've, I've done, done that, that before. So <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. thanks so much, Roberto, for your tips. So if you're out there, heat up your creamer before you put it into your hot coffee. You can yes. do it in the microwave. You could do it over the stove. Uh, you could even uh, get one of those nice uh, coffee frothers uh, from an espresso machine, froth it on the side, right? Sounds and then nice. uh, dump it on top. Yeah. So, Roberto, thanks so much for that tip. We will yes, be sending you. you a mug soon in the near future. Awesome. So, all right. Today's topic Tyler introed it earlier uh, Bethlehem, Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Uh, what's the prophecy? How did it work? Is it legitimate? Did the disciples create this idea? Where did it come from? We're going to hit all that up today. Um, but when we start talking about Jesus fulfilling prophecy, um, s- some scholars say there's over 300 prophecies that Jesus literally fulfilled uh, when he came to earth 2,000 years ago. Um, but a lot of skeptics will say things like, well, listen, if anybody reads the Old Testament, they could do some of the stuff that the Messiah is supposed to do, right? Mm. Like there's a prophecy about him entering uh, Jerusalem on a donkey, right? On a colt, on a young donkey. And um, Jesus in the New Testament, he does that, right, Tyler? That's right. He does. I remember. So you would think, uh, so I get it. So people are thinking, oh, he's just self-fulfilling these things. Yeah. It's like it's it, anyone could claim that they're the Messiah by yep. just cl- trying to pull a donkey in, right? That's well, the idea. The, the, they point to the scripture and say, read what it says. And in the, in, in the passage where he rides in on a donkey, he tells his disciples, go get me a donkey. I mean, right, right. <laughs> it's not like somebody else put him on it or forced him to do or it. He just, he, he walked. He's, he did it himself. He was walking down the road and the people overcame him, lifted him <laughs> up on a donkey. Like, nothing yeah. like that happened. Nothing like that. He no. literally makes it happen. Yeah, exactly. So some people will say, well, listen, couldn't he have done that with all of the prophecies? The answer to that is, well, no. He couldn't have, right? There's yeah. things that he mm. couldn't have done to fulfill. Like, uh, it's really hard to choose where you're born or yeah. to manipulate like, that. Even like stuff that happened after his death that he prophesied yeah. about. Like stuff like that. It's well, like, being buried in a rich man's tomb. Yeah. How, how could like, he how... manipulate that? You know, where That's you're buried is really exactly. difficult to manipulate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, we want to look at prophecies that um, th- I think the most compelling ones are ones that for sure he couldn't have manipulated, right? Right, right. We also want to make sure that um, the Old Testament prophecies do predate the fulfillment of them. Because some some skeptics will say, well, listen, how do we really know that Isaiah wrote that? How do we really know that Zechariah wrote that? And it wasn't just mm-hmm. changed later to match Jesus. And, I mean, there's arguments against it, a lot of arguments, actually. But it's it's kind of a legitimate question. Yeah, how can we know for sure that these prophecies predated Jesus and they weren't made up after the fact? Yeah, and, and that's so important to know. It, it really is. I, I think people should be aware of whether or not these things are true. And, that's, mm-hmm. and again, that's, that's obviously the goal of this whole podcast. We're trying to equip uh, our listeners with uh, critical biblical thinking. So it's yes. trying to think about, like, hey, how, how can we know... Yeah, like for a fact, Jesus was born in a place where he did not control, obviously, since he wasn't born, and that it was prophesied before Before, yeah, because, I mean, if it's not prophesied, if somebody didn't say it was going to happen prior to it happening, that's that's not not a prophecy. prophecy. Exactly. That's just, I am going back in time and say, it's like, yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen um, uh, Back to the Future? 
Any I've of seen them? all one, of them. two, and three. Yeah. Okay, so you remember how I'm pre- pretty sure it's in two, where he gets that that almanac, that sports almanac. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah, then he goes the to the future and he's and he's making bets about stuff that he, he goes to the past. Well, in the past, yeah, yeah, from and the he, future. And he starts making bets about the stuff he knows is going to happen because he got the book that says everything that happened. Well, that's not prophecy because he already knew what happened. Right, mm-hmm. um, it looks like it, and time travel, you know, all that stuff. But that's is is that what happened with the New Testament? Did they manipulate stuff so that it looks like Jesus did things that were prophesied about, or yeah. did stuff really predate? Did the prophecies really predate Jesus? Yeah, it's important. And the other thing I think we need to look at is that um, the prophecies can't just be good guessing. Right, it's not yeah. like Nostradamus or oh, I feel like in the future sometime a bad thing is going to happen. Right, yeah, right. I can, anybody yeah, can say you, that. You were right? even talking yeah. to me about it earlier. You're saying like any of anyone could go out and prophesy and say someone great is going to be born in Springfield. Yeah, and we said it before. Like you said, you're the one, you said this. You're like, yeah. Well, there's dozens of Springfields out. Who knows how many cities out there are places named Springfield? Yeah, if just I was trying in. to be a good guesser or a fortune teller, you know, I would I would like, be as vague as possible. Exactly, and so it's it's yeah, like. Anyone could do that. So, yep. what, and that's what you yeah. see a lot of people do actually, even on TV. You know, they'll they'll mm-hmm. like grab. I I feel like you know Tyler in your life, you might have had some problems, and then people, <laughs> yeah. How did you know that? Everyone has well, problems. Everyone yeah. Has problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see this stuff, and so so with the biblical, if if this truly is from God, you would think that we need to see that the fulfillment of these prophecies isn't a mere coincidence. It's not a vague thing that could apply to twenty yeah, of people. Course. It needs to be super specific. Mm-hmm. And so with those three things in mind, let's move into uh, Micah, the book of Micah, which has a prophecy about Jesus. So we want to make sure that he couldn't have manipulated his situation to fulfill prophecy, that the prophecy actually predates him, and that it couldn't just be a coincidence because it's so specific. It has to be fulfilled in in this way by Jesus. It'd be the only way to fulfill what was stated before. So the book of Micah, um, a lot of people don't know a lot about this book, right? Um, it's one. Of, he's one of the minor prophets, um, and at the very beginning of the book of Micah, he he timestamps when he lived. He timestamps when his prophecies come out, uh, and tells us uh, what time area he lived in. So this is what Micah one verse one says: The word of the Lord came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings mm-hmm. of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Mm, yeah. So. Micah lived during the time of those three kings, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And we know when those kings lived, right? Yes. We know for sure. Uh, Jotham reigned from 750 to 731 BC. Mm -hmm. Ahaz reigned after that. And then Hezekiah reigned from 715 to 686. So we're looking at Micah's prophecy being in the 700s, 600s BC. So the 7th and 8th century BC. Yeah. Does that make okay. sense? Yes, that's right. I remember you talking about that. And I'm so I'm so glad that right off the bat he he tells us this is when I lived, this is when it happened, this is yeah, when all the details, were. right? But we actually through reading the book of Micah, you can get more specific as to when the date was. Um, his prophecies, a lot of them are about how um, Israel's turned away from God and they're not obeying what he said and that God's going to bring in the Assyrians to wipe them out. 
Yes. And that event happens actually in 722 BC. The Assyrians came into the northern ten tribes and started deporting them and, and taking them back to, to Nineveh. So, I mean, it had to happen by then. I had, mean, what, what, yeah. Yeah. It, well, the, this book, if it's about, hey, listen, start obeying God or the Assyrians are coming in. Okay. Yeah. It'd have to be before the Assyrians came in. Yeah. Right. It had to. Otherwise, otherwise it doesn't make sense. Otherwise, yeah. no one's going to read it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't care. Like, <laughs> you're telling us about an event that already happened. You're warning us to obey God, um, but but the warning is because the Assyrians were already in Nineveh, so it has to be predated yeah, yeah, 722. Good. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the Book of Micah is in the eighth century, and it's it's probably written before 722 BC. Somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. And so another thing I was going to say, too, with this prophecy, you were talking to me earlier about the significance of why it says Bethlehem Ephrathah. Yeah. So wh- yeah. Wh- why is that? What, what does it mean when he speci- specifies in this prophecy Bethlehem Ephrathah? Yeah. Well, let's look at that. So the prophecy yeah. about Jesus, and I'm sure everyone's super familiar with this. This is a real common mm. uh, Christmas prophecy, right? Uh, it, it's probably the only verse a lot of people know out of Micah, <laughs> to be honest, right? Tell you the truth, yeah. That's Go right. read the book of Micah. It's interesting. <laughs> um, don't just know one verse. But this is what it says. So Micah 5.2 is where we find this prophecy. Micah says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephathra, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Mm. Right. And so, um, yeah. So the the question okay. you asked me is, OK, what is Bethlehem? We know what Bethlehem is. We sing songs. About, oh, little town of Bethlehem. We, we love it. Right. But exactly. What is, yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, Ephathra. How, how do you say that? You were saying it better. Uh, Ephrathah. Ephrathah. Yeah. I yeah. looked up how to pronounce it and everything. And that's why I think it is. Right? I still I, can't get it. You know, yeah. you're right. Yeah. I looked it up on the pronunciation of Hebrew words and that's it. It's Ephrathah. I just okay. keep messing yeah. it up. It's <laughs> all right. There. That's all right. There's but, so many. There's so many times I, I go through like uh, scripture, and there's names and like yeah. towns and cities and people you just can't pronounce. It's Here's like, a yeah. secret. So I've, I, you know, I've preached for many years. I've taught Bible for a long time. Yeah. And um, if you don't know how to pronounce it, just say it with uh, with some authority. Just say it confidence. with confidence, and people don't know. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> no one will have any idea what you're saying. Yeah, like, it's good to because they it don't up. know. Yeah, yeah, and it's good to know. It's good to know. But you know, a lot of times there's different ways to pronounce uh, it. But yeah, if you just funny. say it with confidence, Tyler, no one knows. But Ephrathah, <laughs> Ephrathah. Okay, that's is. a good no. <laughs> All good. right. So what is Bethlehem Ephrathah? Well, it's a specific place, um, and the reason he says Ephrathah is uh, because actually in Israel there are two cities named Bethlehem. Mm, two okay. different ones. A lot of people don't know this. Um, the two, uh, the the first one is Bethlehem of Zebulun. Um, Zebulun, you remember, was one of the twelve tribes of Israel. Yes. You remember when they came out of uh, of Egypt, and then they eventually, after forty years, went into the Promised Land. God splits up the land according to tribes and tells them where they're each going to be and what cities are theirs. So Zebulun mm-hmm. is one of the tribes. So within okay. their territory is this town that's called Bethlehem. Uh, you actually could look it up in Joshua 19:15 and Judges 12:8 through 10 talk about Bethlehem of Zebulun, all right? Um, Bethlehem the, the the name it just means house of bread or house of food is what Bethlehem means. Beth okay. is house yeah. and uh, hem is food or bread. Um, and so, yeah, Bethlehem of Zebulun is in the, the territory of Zebulun, which is in the northern part of Israel. 
Um, really interesting fact about it is Bethlehem of Zebulun is really close to Nazareth, uh, where Jesus yeah. grew up. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, so that that ma- that's crazy because you would think that that's where that would be it, right? Well, yeah, you'd think that would be the Bethlehem that uh, Micah prophesies about because it's so close to Nazareth, right? And Joseph and Mary were from Nazareth, right? So you would be, think you would think, hey, sense. he's born there, yeah, goes right to the town in, next door, in the city yeah. over, yeah. But that is not what Micah says. He says he's going to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, yeah. Ephrathah, not Bethlehem of Zebulon. So what is Bethlehem of Ephrathah? Well, this Bethlehem is is located in Judah, in Judea, um, about five miles south of Jerusalem. Um, So Ephrathah is mentioned actually in Genesis 35.16, 35.19, and in Genesis 48.7. And this is a this is a town territory, and it's most likely a Canaanite area. Um, we we see that um, that Rachel actually dies on the road to Ephrathah while giving birth to Benjamin, and that's where she's buried on the road to Ephrathah. All right. Yeah. So prior to right. David, right? <clears throat> prior to um, uh, the twelve tribes, prior to um, them all moving into Egypt, actually with Joseph's family and everything, mm-hmm. um, Rachel dies around this area of Ephrathah. So what, what scholars believe is that Ephrathah is just the old older name for the city of Bethlehem, the one that's in Judea, and it got renamed to House of Bread. Okay. Later yeah. on, okay, so, but it's still called that because it's distinguishing not, not Zebulon. Ephrathah, all right? Bethlehem of Ephrathah. So Micah is prophesying specifically about this one place. This is what's interesting. It's not a vague um, trying to just, you know, throw darts and hope you hit a target. Yeah, It's it's not a Springfield or a a Paris or, you know, whatever, common names. It's It's nothing like that. Um, he's being very, very specific with this one town that everybody would know it's that one town. Yeah, it's specific. Yeah, mm-hmm. very specific. Um, we, we know, too, that it's in the land of Judah, even from the prophecy in Michael. Remember uh, Michael? Micah. Micah, yeah. yeah. The prophecy in Micah, he says, you know, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, and then he says, uh, who is too little to be among the clans of Judah, Right. Well, what mm-hmm. is he? What is he saying here? Too little. He, he's pointing out how insignificant this little town is, um, because um, in in Joshua, when God's giving the land uh, of Israel to the different tribes, you know, he says stuff like, "To Zebulon, I'm giving you this territory, this area, this, 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 and yes, these cities. Yes. Mm-hmm. To Judah, I'm giving you this, 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 and he names a bunch of cities. Well, when you look at Joshua fifteen twenty through sixty three, where God is giving Judah their their property. Um, he names a whole ton of cities, and he never names Bethlehem. And the reason for that is because it's just it was such a small, insignificant little place. Wow, that's great. And that's, that's Micah's crazy. point. Like, to this really small, insignificant, podunk nothing that wasn't even worth mentioning when giving out the territory, that's where the king of the universe is coming. A, a, uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's extremely specific. Yeah yeah, have, yeah. yeah. He couldn't have been more <laughs> specific than that. There's no there's no vagueness here. Mm-hmm. Which Bethlehem, uh, um, the significance aspect of it, it's really interesting. And that's exactly what we see the New Testament claim, that Jesus came to that specific Bethlehem. Bethlehem, uh, Ephrathah. Mm. 
Um, so we have this passage from Matthew 2, 1 through 6 about when the Magi come uh, to seek Jesus uh, as they've been following the star. Do you want to read that for us, Tyler? Matthew 2, 1 through 6? Yeah, of course. Here, uh, let me just pull that up. So yeah, Matthew 2, 1 through 6, we got a... Uh, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, uh, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born to the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem went with him, uh, and all Jerusalem went with him, uh, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Yep. So, at the time of Jesus' birth, the scribes and Pharisees knew which place he was supposed the Messiah was supposed to be born, right? Mm. They knew this prophecy from Micah 5:2, and they said, "Yeah, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, but not just any Bethlehem, Bethlehem of Judah, which is the Bethlehem that Micah talked about of Ephrathah, right? Does yeah. that make sense? So, so, That's so, so Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Bethlehem, Judah, it's the same it's the same thing. Ephrathah's the old name the city gets renamed later to Bethlehem, and it's in the district of Judah. It's in wow, the territory yeah. of Judah. So it's the same place. Um, Matthew's not the only one to record this, but Luke talks about it. Um, in Luke 2, 4, and 5, it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. This is when the, the Caesar Augustus sent out the census, that they're supposed to all return to their hometown and to, to register, right? Yeah, right. And so Joseph goes back to where he's from. He's a descendant of David. Mary's a descendant of David. They go to the house of David. Yeah, <laughs> They go to crazy. Bethlehem. <clears throat> and that is when Jesus is born there. They don't live there. They live in Nazareth, but they make the trek. It's, it's about an 80-mile trip from Nazareth all the way down past Jerusalem to Bethlehem of Judah. Mm -hmm. um, and so can you imagine being really pregnant and having to travel 80 miles either on foot or on a donkey? <sighs> That'd be horrible. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine being pregnant. Oh, in the first yeah, right. place, but, but yeah. But having to deal with that. Like, like, Man, yeah. that'd be brutal, right? Like, that's awful. The last thing you'd want to do is travel that far. Yeah, that's a long distance away. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's interesting because God used this, this you know, Roman census to bring about the prophecy yeah, that the Messiah so would be cool. born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Bethlehem of Judah. And that's exactly what we see and Scripture it also, claims. It also fulfills, I mean, just a side note too, it also even fulfills the prophecy that he would come from the house of David, showing, hey, both his parents are from the house of David because yep. they went, they returned there for this census, yep. claiming they were there. So well, and that's, that's, just, that's yeah. a whole nother, again, so so there's so many prophecies, right? Some of the, there's a prophecy, there's a promise made to um, David in Samuel. It's the, yeah. Davi the Davidic covenant that his heir will reign on the throne forever. Yeah, yeah, right. That has to be who? The Messiah. It has to be Jesus. And just so happens that Joseph and Mary both came from David's lineage. Even though Joseph isn't even biologically 
Yep, Jesus's father. But like he's that. legally his legally dad. though. So physically, he comes from the house of David from his mother. Legally, but and legally, that comes, see yeah. that's just so mind blowing, and that's it is. crazy. Yeah. And again, there's three hundred and some of these. So this is the thing that I've heard a lot of people say. <clears throat> is um I, I like this analogy. Yeah. So with prophecy, you know, there's there's over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled when he came. Okay? Okay. 300. If I wanted to send you a specific person right now, a letter, how much information do I need to get the letter to you, Tyler? Well, you're going to need the address. And I need your address. Zip code. Zip code. State. City and state. Yeah. Your name. Mm-hmm. That's five things. Yeah. Think about this. Five things, if I give five things uh, on, a, on a letter, I can get this um, letter, this communication to yeah. a specific person out of about seven billion people. Wow. Right? Yeah. Just five things. Jesus has 30, uh, 300, over 300 things saying this is the guy. That specify this, that specify, is, the this is the one person. That much information about one person that he actually fulfilled really points out something special about this yeah, person. Yeah, wow. No kidding. That's, yeah, that's that's cool. I, I've actually, I think I've heard someone share something similar to that. And so yeah. you just got to think all those little details. Yep. All of them. Far surpassed us. And, and, and they all fit yeah. together. They that's do. the other they, thing. Yeah, they that's all the, fit together. But yeah, the New Testament acknowledges Jesus was born here. There's actually, there's a really funny passage in John chapter 7 where people are confused about Jesus. Um, I want to read this to you. John 7, 41 through 44. Yeah. um, Jesus was teaching that he offers living water that will spring up from people. Um, And it says in in John 7, 41 through 44, uh, others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Hmm. Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So you see, there's these people at the time, they knew the prophecy. They knew where the Messiah is supposed to come. Yeah. And so people are saying he's the Christ, which is, is the Greek word for Messiah. He's the, he's the Messiah. And people are going, oh, hold on a second. He's from Galilee. The Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So they had a problem there. The, the thing is, they didn't know he was born in Bethlehem. Yeah. But he was raised in Nazareth, which is in Galilee. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? So even like uh, kind of common people, it wasn't just the scribes and Pharisees who knew this. Some common people knew, no, the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So he, so they were that's arguing, evidence like, hey, this was the prophecy. It was that he was supposed to be there. Yes. Yeah. And so they're arguing he can't be the Messiah because he's from Nazareth. But they didn't know he was born in Bethlehem. Yeah. You see? Wow. So the New Testament acknowledges that the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem of Judah, Bethlehem of Ephrathah. Yes. Wow. So how do we know that this wasn't all just made up, though? Right? Yeah. How do we know that this prophecy, remember one well, of our criteria, he couldn't have self-fulfilled it, right? Well, yeah. So really hard to self-fulfill where you're born. I can't force my mom to – you know where I was born? Yeah. I was born in Payson, Arizona. Okay, I'm going to guess 95% of our listeners have never heard of it because it's a little town in northern Arizona. <laughs> if I could have picked, I would have been born somewhere cooler, <laughs> right? right? Somewhere yeah. with a little more panache, a little yeah, more yeah. prestige, and I wasn't. Um, because why? Well, because it's really hard to pick where I'm born. Yeah, you can't. No. It's a, yeah. And Jesus didn't either. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And so so how, how, though, then, like we were asking about this— uh, how can we know, like, verify that there was a prophecy that, like, 
that 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 talks about this. I mean, like that this prophecy legitimately predates and like that Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem. Yeah. So yeah, because yeah, if he didn't self fulfill it, the the skeptical say, well, we don't really know that this was a prophecy that predated him. Maybe they wrote it afterward to make it look like he it was a prophecy. The prophecy. There. Yeah. Well, see. That, that argument has a real problem, once again, because of some actually scientific, verifiable evidence that we possess now. Um, hmm. uh, around uh, in the 1940s, <clears throat> there was this huge discovery that took place. Uh, it's, they're called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, in this area of Israel, there were these caves. They're called the, the Qumran Caves. And um, a shepherd, legend has it, uh, says he, he threw a rock into the cave, just a kid messing around, and uh, he heard something crash, and he went in there, and he found all of these uh, jars that were filled with a bunch of scrolls. Oh, wow. So he went and got somebody. Eventually, they get sold, and they get... Um, they get uh, into the hands of, of the curators who are looking at it and studying what they are. And basically, it's this, it's this ancient library that got put in there probably because of, uh, of the attacks of the Romans at, on 70 AD. Mm. So they were hiding yeah. all these manuscripts that they had. But we're finding stuff from the Bible, from the Old Testament, obviously, and then um, a bunch of other uh, Jewish literature, phenomenal, phenomenal finds, yeah, really yeah. important in archaeological history. Um, but one of the things that they found is what's called the Scroll of the Twelve Minor Prophets. Mm -hmm. uh, this scroll was found in Cave Horror at Nahal Haver, and within the scroll, because Micah was one of the minor prophets, mm -hmm. right, we found Micah 5.2. We actually have a manuscript of Micah 5.2, and because this was a, a library, some of the books that the people had were, you know, from their own time. Some of the scrolls they had were written in their own time, but some of the scrolls they had were older. It'd be like if you went to a library today. You could find something from 2017. Yeah, right, right. But you could probably find some stuff from the 1800s, too. Does That's that make crazy. sense? Yeah, so it had a vast yeah, set of collections. a whole yeah. bunch of different scrolls. So they they have to look at, and there's a huge there's this science behind dating these scrolls. Um, there's there's so many factors that go into it. But this twelve minor prophet scroll that we have a section of Micah five two from dates to about fifty B.C. Mm, yeah. This scroll we have dates to fifty B.C. Meaning, like you're saying, the physical the physical scroll we have. From uh, yeah. that we found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, that scroll was made in 50 BC, and it's a copy of Micah. Right? That's so cool. So Micah yeah. 5.2, the prophecy we have, we know for sure with verifiable evidence that it predates Jesus by at yeah, least Yeah, so we're seeing here that there's, there's a piece of, of parchment or paper that we can hold physically today yeah. that predates Jesus. Yeah. And, that and has it, a prophecy of his birth. Yeah, that's that's yeah. fifty years older than his birth. That's so crazy. Any of yeah. our listeners who want to see this, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to it. It's on Dead Sea Scrolls Digital Library, um, and I'll I'll put the exact link so you click it and you will go and you will see this uh, <laughs> fragment, this yeah. fragment of the scroll that has Micah five two on it. That's now so the thing cool. is, yeah. is that this isn't the first scroll that had Micah five two on it because we yeah, right. this had to come from somewhere, right? And we have other people in the intertestamental period talking about Micah as a prophet. Jeremiah in his book mentions Micah was a prophet. Yeah, but we're just saying this one particular. But this one you can hold in your hands, and it's fifty years older than Jesus. Yeah, wow, that's so nobody that's can say this prophecy didn't predate Jesus. I literally can prove it. Right? Yeah. 
Because it's right there. You it's just right have there. it. Yeah. It's right there. It's verifiable. It's scientific evidence that we have with this scroll from the Dead Sea Scrolls. So uh, Jesus couldn't have self-fulfilled this prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also uh, didn't make it up later. His disciples didn't write stuff into Micah. Right. Yeah. They couldn't have done that because we have a, a scroll that predates that. But some people sometimes, Tyler, object and they'll say, well, listen, okay, the prophecy had been around. But because the disciples wanted Jesus to be the Messiah, they wrote and they made up these stories about him being born in Bethlehem. Yeah. Because he's not even from Bethlehem, right? He's from Nazareth. So they they made up these fake Mm -hmm. stories, uh, but he really really wasn't born there. And now people are starting to grasp at straws a little bit. (laughs) You go, wait a second. (laughs) Like, that's a stretch. How do you know that, right? So the question we want to ask ourselves is, how do we know with some good reasoning that that the the gospel writers are telling the truth, right? Yeah. What's a couple of things I think are um, we, we we just internal evidence in the New Testament. You know, there's embarrassing details in there that you wouldn't write unless you were just trying to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Like when you know Peter says Jesus called him Satan. Get yeah. behind me, Satan. Why would you write that if you're making up a story? Why would you make yourself look like that? Why, if you're Peter, would you talk about? You know, how you were trying to defend your Lord when they were arresting him. And you denied him him multiple times. You deny him three times. That's a horrible way to get people to follow you, right? What if, why would Peter, you know, and and the disciples write down that, you know, when Jesus was being arrested, Peter gets out a sword and he's such a bad (laughs) swordsman (laughs) that all he can do is cut off an ear of a really unimportant guy in the party. It's just, it's, it's so embarrassing. Yeah. Um, you see the disciples a lot of time not understanding what Jesus is saying and have to say, okay, well, what does this mean? And he says stuff like, haven't I been with you long enough? You don't know who I am? I mean, it's embarrassing. So if they were authentic, like if they were making up a story, you wouldn't find embarrassing details like that. You would find people saying, I was confident, not I ran and hid when my Lord was being crucified, right? They would say, I was there. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to believe that the New Testament is legitimate, but when we get yeah. to the idea of, of Bethlehem, um, there's, there's a few interesting things. It's when people say, no, they must have made this up, they couldn't have known, or whatever. Um, Matthew, who, who wrote two, Matthew and Luke are the ones who talk about Jesus' birth, right? Mark and yeah. John don't talk about it. But Matthew, didn't he know Jesus? Mm. I'm pretty sure yeah. he hung out with him for three and a half years, well, right? that's kind of the, yeah, <laughs> that's why he writes his gospel, too. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Do you think like, in that time he ever asked, hey, where were you born? If you were a Jew who knew the prophecy, wouldn't that kind of be a big deal to you? Yeah. What about that's a big deal in John seven? That's a big deal to us today. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah, Yeah. and in John seven, his disciples are around when people are saying this can't be the Messiah. He was born in Nazareth. If you if you didn't know where he was born at that point, wouldn't you, as Matthew, go? Yeah, wait a second, man. Where were you born? Supposed to be born in Bethlehem. I want to see a birth certificate, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he he would have known. He had the opportunity to find out that information. Yeah, right. So I think that that's that's really significant. Um, So so because Matthew knew Jesus personally, and he says Bethlehem, it makes me think he he probably knew where Jesus was born. Um, But. So some people say, well, listen, maybe Jesus was lied to. Maybe Mary and Joseph were, li- were lying. And you go, okay, now we're just making stuff up, right? Because there's no way we could verify that. Um, yeah. Why would, why would Joseph and Mary be lying well, about that? Another, another question I have with, that, with the motivation behind that, it just 
is uh, like thinking we don't when when do, else do we ever do that in history with anything historically like question if people with historical claims and stories yeah. are making stuff up in like I mean you we know what it like, only it only really happens when it comes to miraculous claims that's what I'm saying like like it seems as though like it's just a uh, hostility of the idea you know like mm-hmm. like the idea like wow like this could happen it's just crazy yeah it's that can't happen because i don't believe there's a god and so there can't be prophecy yeah right it's a presupposition people are already assuming that it can't happen just because they don't believe it already yes yeah instead of looking at the evidence but and i want to be fair um like course, atheistic yeah. scholars, they don't only do this with the New Testament. Oh, of they course, They do this yeah. with Roman Yeah, stuff and I, too. I didn't mean to imply that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously it's still... But I'm just more pointing out the fact that it's just, it seems as though like it's it's really questioning like, like a lot of things. You end up mm-hmm. thinking like, hey, what if this happened? I, I mean, but you're going on insane right now. Like this is verifiable, right? I think, like, it, I think seeing, it is pretty... I think there's good reason to believe that, that they weren't, Matthew they was telling the truth why, yeah. and that Mary and Joseph were telling the truth about where their son was born. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think... The, the the other thing is, it's kind of funny, Tyler, when because skeptics really what they're doing is they're saying, listen, people who were there, people who knew the people who experienced this, don't know what they're talking about. But hello, here I am, two thousand years later. I don't even live in that country. I don't know any of those people, but I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. it's kind of an arrogant. And again, we're trying to figure out things that happened in the past. But man, whenever anybody says, well, that can't be because, you know, prophecies or people don't rise from the dead or this or that, you go, well, there were a whole ton of people there who are claiming they saw it. Why should I believe you, you know, 2,000 years removed? Yeah. It's it's kind of a silly, I don't know. I mean, anyone <laughs> could just pick it up and do that. Yeah. yeah. So, so, see, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yep. it's just, but it's so, but the, the, so, okay, I don't think Mary and Joseph were lying. I think right. Matthew knew Jesus personally. So then the other option we get down to is... Okay, then did the disciples just make this up? They couldn't have just made it up out of thin air to fit the prophecy because Mary was still alive at the time of the writing of Matthew and Luke. Yeah, right. Jesus' brothers were still alive at the time of the writing of Matthew and Luke, right? Other family was still around. So they couldn't have just made this up and people have been like, yeah, that's fine. Just lie about it. No big deal. No, this would have been a huge deal, right? Jesus' brother James comes becomes uh, – he, he's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. If they wrote this down, because Matthew and Luke didn't write until probably in the 50s and 60s, yeah, B- BC, right, right, right. okay? But Jesus' brother has been the, the head of the Church of Jerusalem for a long, for many, many years by the 50s and 60s. If they start writing lies about his brother, don't you think he would say, no, you can't do that? And he actually had the power to stop them from doing that. Yeah, but he doesn't right. because this is what they write. This is what gets copied. This is what we have. So they couldn't have made it up because it would have gotten corrected. Yeah, does that make sense? So that's that's. It's just absurd to think that they could have lied about this because a whole bunch of people would have come against them, saying, "No, that's not how it happened. That's not where he was born." And we're gonna we're gonna speak what's true. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. That's a, good, um, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it, it gets a little interesting though. A little um, there's a, there's like a little caveat to this whole thing, I think, um, and it's with Luke's gospel and Luke's Luke's narrative. Um, the gospel of Luke is fascinating to me. This this is how he starts off the whole thing. All right. So Luke one one through four. Do you want to read that for us? Yeah, Luke yeah, one, of course. One through four. All right. Uh, so we see here in Luke one one through four says. Uh, Inasmuch as I, as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down by us, uh, to us by those who from the beginning, 
from the beginning, he says, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from, from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order, uh, most excellent Theopolis, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Okay, this is a really interesting um, opening to a gospel. Yeah, that's saying, listen, awesome. I've tried to compile an account of the things that we saw that were accomplished mm-hmm. among us, right? Things that were handed down to us by those who were eyewitnesses right. from yeah. the beginning. And you pointed that out. He says from the beginning twice, right? I've invested everything, care- investigated everything carefully from the beginning so I can write out in consecutive order. Like he, he's stressing a couple of things here. I've interviewed people. Right? Yeah. People who've been there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm putting together an orderly account of the stuff we've been taught so we can have confidence that it's legitimate. Yeah. That's what he's saying. So so Luke interviewed people and the question becomes, okay, so who were eyewitnesses of Jesus from the beginning? Because after this he goes into talking about John the Baptist prophecy, Jesus prophecy, and birth. Okay. Who could he have talked to who was around (laughs) since that beginning? Have to be Mary. Have to be Mary. Yeah. Have to be Mary. Uh, Because Zacharias and Elizabeth, her cousin, they were old then when this all happened. So So they're long gone. They're gone by now. Joseph, most people believe, uh, because he's not mentioned after Jesus is about 12 years old. Yeah. Most people think Joseph died somehow. Yeah, he's not mentioned in the ministry or at the cross. Yeah, he's not anywhere to be found. He's not even talked about. Yeah. And so most people think that he died somewhere after Jesus was 12, but before he started his ministry when he was 30. Yeah. So who had been around since the beginning? Who could give an account about John? John's prophecy to Elizabeth, right, mm-hmm. and uh, his birth, and Mary's uh, angelic visit, and then um, Mary visiting Elizabeth, and all of that stuff. Who could have given this account? Well, it seems like, I mean, did Luke interview Mary? Yeah. Did Luke interview Mary? Oh, uh, I think, I think that he did. Um, and there's a few reasons. Who else would know from the beginning all of the stuff that he talks about? But there's actually some interesting clues in the first couple of chapters of Luke, which is w- material I think that he interviewed and got from Mary. Um, uh, in Luke one twenty nine, it says this after the angels visited uh, 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 Mary and, and the stuff's been said uh, about her. Uh, it says in Luke one twenty nine, but she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. You remember when the angel comes and says, oh, blessed of, of God, you know, uh, uh, and, and she's perplexed and she's pondering, what kind of a greeting is that? Yeah. Who would know that other than Mary, right? Yeah, that makes sense. In Luke 2.19, it says, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Who would know that other than Mary? And the truth yeah. of it is, if she had told it to her kids mm. and they were recounting the story, is that a detail they would, first of all, have ever been told? And I pondered right. everything in my heart and I treasured it. Yeah. Or or would they, like, how would they know that? Exactly, right? It's yeah. kind of a weird, yeah. obscure, it's like a first-person account thing. That's, yeah. And, and then she says it again, or Luke says it again in Luke 2.51, um, where it says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them, and his mo- mother treasured all these things in her heart, right? So if he didn't interview Mary, how could he know these little details? Yeah, he couldn't. 
I don't think so. No. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Luke interviewed Mary. We know she was still alive uh, while Luke was around. Yeah, and like we said, the only, the only other person who could have got some of these details would have been Joseph, but he was gone. Yes, and yeah. Luke, and but the other thing too, did Joseph know Mary pondered these things in her well, heart? Well, no, not right? even I mean, that, yeah. yeah. Not even that, yeah. It gets kind of funny, like those are first-person like account things. Yeah, exactly, and so that's that's just cool, like seeing yep. this account that he's written out here. It uh, seems well, evident that that's who it was, yeah. And we know for sure from the book of Acts that Luke had visited the church in Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. In Acts 21, it talks about that, and Acts 114 talks about how Mary was a part of the church in Jerusalem. Right, yeah. So so we know that they'd cross paths, and if he was trying to put together an orderly account from all these people, he could go investigate. He could go interview. He could he could get eyewitness testimony to these types of things. So it seems like he gets it from Mary, and she claims through through Luke that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Yeah, right. And it matches up with what was prophesied about yeah, it in, makes sense. in Micah. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, and she also gives the details of why they went to Bethlehem. You know, in Matthew, I don't think it talks about the census, but mm, in Luke, yeah. it does. So she's giving the, this is why we had to go down there. Yeah, it's a crazy idea. I was like, I was eight and a half months pregnant. What are we thinking? We had to roll down there. You yeah, know? right. Why? Well, th- that'd be a good reason why. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it's crazy. So I don't think that... Um, that this prophecy uh, is a coincidence. I don't think it's made up. I don't think that uh, that they they wrote prophecy that didn't predate Christ. I think right. it predated Christ, right? And so the fact that Micah writes this prophecy 700 years before the birth of Christ, that it's something that Jesus couldn't have manipulated, that it's verifiable by manuscript evidence, that it predates his birth, that it's not vague, but it's very specific with mm-hmm. the whole Ephrathah thing, not just any Bethlehem, right? It's very specific. These are right. some reasons that I think this is a legitimate prophecy and that Jesus fulfilled it in his birth. Yeah, and I, I mean, I hope that, too, just for the listeners, that just this just provides, like, so much hope, too, and, like, thinking about the reality that these events actually took place and that Jesus really was born. That he, and he, it, It's another step and another big piece of evidence that he is who he claimed to be and who, like, he's claimed to be in Scripture. Like, it's yes. just crazy. And it's so important that we know these things and that we're able to, like, be aware of the evidence that's out there and share this with others. Absolutely. And I think that prophecy like this is right. one of the biggest... Um, evidence is that the Bible's legitimate. Right, yeah. Who could who could do that? Who yeah. wh- What group of guys no one could can. just no be one writing stuff like that. this and then it happened? It, and not just yeah. happened sporadically in a bunch of different people, but all happened on this focal point on one person. Yeah. Isaiah prophesies about Jesus. David prophesies about Jesus. In the Micah, interconnection Zechariah, between all of them and the Moses. way all the prophecies yeah. work together. Yes. It's insane. Yeah. And they all happened with this one guy 2,000 years ago. And prophecies from different people. It's not yes. even the same person it's who prophesied everything. It's not even people who spoke the same language. It's yeah. not even people in the same culture. It's all over. Because right? yeah. you're getting Daniel, different. who's up in Babylon. Yeah, you're different centuries Moses. of prophecies. You're getting prophecies David. You get, you're getting, yeah. yeah. So, so how, how, who could manipulate? It seems like somebody was behind it all. Yeah. And I would agree yeah. with that. <laughs> yes. Somebody was behind it all. Yes. God yes. wrote this book for us through his prophets, through his apostles, and he, he wants us to not just trust him, but he gives us reasons to trust him. Yeah. He proves it through amazing things like prophecy, which is, if you think about it, Tyler, prophecy is such an interesting thing because the God who created time uses time to prove himself to us. Yeah. Right? Because he says it in the past, which past is a thing he created. 
right? Mm-hmm. Says something's going to happen. It's real specific. Time passes, and then it does happen. So even through what he created in time, he uses time to communicate to us who he is. Yeah, it's things that happen that people have no control over that we're seeing. Yes. And stuff. Yep. Yeah. No, no control at all, right? Um, and uh, it encourages me, actually, to even look at prophecies for... Christ's second coming, right? Yeah, that's what, what's, exciting. What's that going to be like? What do the What do the prophets say? About it makes me want to be more uh, aware of it and like yes. study harder yep. of the coming prophecy. And absolutely, that way I can be aware of it. Be- when and it we can trust yeah. it. Like if exactly. he literally fulfilled over three hundred the first time, I'm pretty confident he's going to fulfill stuff the second time. Right? Yeah. It's it's so it's so important to to know that and be aware. So. Absolutely. Well, I hope this has been encouraging to you. I hope this is kind of a, yeah. a different slant at the common uh, Christmas prophecy here. But I hope it I hope it has encouraged you because what we want to do with this podcast is we want to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and to be confident in their faith. Mm-hmm. So use this use this uh, information to talk with your friends this season about Jesus. People are already thinking about Christmas. It's really easy to to bring this up and say, oh my gosh, I heard this thing about the prophecy of where he'd be born. Did you know this? Yeah. What do you think about that? Do you think there's a God? Do you think Jesus was legitimately the savior of the world? Um, really easy this time of year to turn conversations towards spiritual things. Yeah, that's so cool. And uh, please uh, go ahead and look in the show notes at the link we attached uh, to yes. this to this fragment. Uh, show it to others who m- maybe having a hard time. Yeah, text it to this your too. friends. Tweet it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it on Facebook. Yeah, and share say, it. Man, this mm-hmm. is proof that that the prophecies and in say, scripture hey, are real. And this is relevant to the culture right now because right now we are about to approach the time where culturally we celebrate the birth of Christ. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Tyler, thanks so much for being here today. It's fun talking with you and hanging out. Yeah, it's been a great, a great. I time love this back. stuff. It's so it's super encouraging to me. Um, studying this stuff, preparing it, and then talking about it, it just gets me pretty amped up. Yeah, it's it's exciting. <laughs> I'm in the Christmas spirit now, so we're yep. all set. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> all, right, all right. Well, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee, yes. and we'll be back next week with more on our Christmas series. All right. Thank you. You have been listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.